This episode of the Slash Filmcast is brought to you by Casper, an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Go to casper.com slash filmcast and use the promo code filmcast to save yourself $50 off your purchase. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Devendra Hardwar. And Jeff Kanata. And welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, today, what we're going to be doing is discussing some what we've been watching, and then we're going to just move on into our review of The Mummy, the new film by Alex Kurtzman that stars Tom Cruise. Find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmcast.com. Email us at SlashFilmcast at gmail.com. Now, before we get to all that good stuff I just told you about... Got some follow up, some follow up from the last couple weeks of Slash Filmcast episodes uh, to talk about. Uh, so I want to mention something uh, to follow up on from a couple weeks ago. Jeff Kanata, a couple weeks ago, we recorded an After Dark episode mm-hmm. where I talked about visiting LA and how uh, someone accosted me and told me about his scripts. Uh, right. And I, you know, you and I ruthlessly made fun <laughs> of that person. On the podcast, I think we more and ruthlessly made fun of LA in general. That's that was my thinking as well. But I got a, a bunch of comments, you know. And, and when I say a bunch, I don't mean you know fifty. I mean like you know five or six people tweeted at me, uh, emailed at, uh, at me, and just said, "Hey, I thought that was pretty condescending and mean spirited the way you talked about that guy." And uh, I just you know I want to just clarify a little bit about that story, and then you can, you're still welcome to think that it was condescending and mean spirited, but I at least want to uh, have a chance to defend myself, which is that I think a lot of people when they heard that story, they thought, oh hey, here's a guy who's just trying to make a, an in-person connection with David Chen, you know, like they're just tr- just reaching out uh, and trying to like, oh you like movies, I like movies too, let's hang out. And maybe it's always good of- when you start talking about yourself in the third person. But go ahead, right, right. And maybe a lot of people just thought, oh, like they they envisioned like themselves in that position, and then heard me making fun of that person and thought like I was being pretty mean. And from my perspective, th- that was not at all how it played out. I mean, I've met many people who've listened to the podcast uh, or who like movies in general uh, in real life, and I have great conversations with them, even if they're random conversations. This was not like that. This was like, have you ever been on a date where the date will not let you get an, a word in edgewise, right? <laughs> they don't ask you a single question about yourself. They're just talking the entire time about them. Uh, that is an excruciating experience if you've ever done that before. This was like that, except I didn't get to choose whether I was on the date. You know, it was I, I was just trying to sit down like, and have my breakfast. Like, Go ahead. I like how in 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 defense of your being mean to this guy, you're doubling down on being mean to heck, this guy. Heck yes, heck yes. I mean, <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, like I, in my opinion, when someone's told me that story of oh, the person didn't ask me a single question about myself and they just kept talking for ten fifteen minutes. I think that's incredibly inconsiderate, and I think like that is the person who has done something wrong. Um, and this was like that, except I didn't even have a choice of whether I wanted to be in that situation. So in my opinion... Uh, this poor guy has been reading all of these self-help books and all of these, uh, you know, how to sell your script in L.A. books. And they're like, OK, you got to have your your spiel and you got to practice your spiel because you're only going to get about two minutes with somebody. So you got to practice your spiel and make it so slick and fast. And he's like, oh, man, here's David Chen. I got my chance to do my spiel. And so he launches into his spiel. And Dave's like, why isn't he asking me about me? <laughs> 
Well, Jeff, that's one way of looking at it. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I, I didn't feel like I did a very good job of explaining the dynamic. You know, I, we, I've met people in real life, in the real world. We've struck up random conversations about movies. This happened before. I'm totally open to that experience. Uh, this was just not that, in my opinion. So... Uh, so all that said, you're still welcome to think I'm being completely unreasonable and a dick, but just wanted to at least, or even more so now, (laughs) perhaps even more so. That's right. That's right. All right. So, uh, that's one thing I wanted to follow up on. Another thing I wanted to follow up on Wonder Woman. We reviewed Wonder Woman last week and, uh, Jeff, I gotta say, I love our listeners. Tavindra, I love our listeners. And here's except you mean all approach, the ones who agree with no, you? No, 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 no. Here's, here's when they approach you in person. Yeah, except for when they, this was not a listener by the way. This is just a random dude at that Fair at that enough. cafe, but um so here's why I love our listeners. And this has happened multiple times before where uh Jeff or Davindra will have a dissenting opinion on a podcast and Almost every single time that happens, when everyone gangs up on one person from the podcast, we always get people coming out of the woodwork to defend that person, right? I mean, Jeff, you've yeah. experienced this. I've, I guess I, I, I mentioned Jeff because I've seen it most acutely with Jeff that people, <laughs> that people, you know, Jeff says something completely unreasonable, and then people tweet at him like, "Hey, Jeff, I completely agree with you." No, yeah. we had all the we had all the chappy fans come out for Davindra. yeah, all the chappy fans. Yeah. Came, Davindra, you got a bunch of chappy love. I, right? feel, I feel like it tends to happen for you guys a lot. I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that is. Uh, so I guess I wanted to thank all the people who emailed in and who tweeted. Basically, there are a lot of people saying. I agree with you, Dave, but I can't say it publicly. <laughs> and I really appreciated all those people who uh, who felt that way and and felt you know felt the need to show solidarity with me. It made a challenging episode of the Slash Filmcast way easier to uh, to endure. And uh, so, just thank you guys so much for all of that. Um, but yeah, in terms of any follow up thoughts on Wonder Woman, uh, Devinder, I know you want to talk about the sequel. I mean, I'll just say from my perspective, mm-hmm. you know. Many times I will do an episode of the Slash Filmcast with you guys and then listen to it later and, and then my opinion will change, you know, or you'll say something and then my opinion changes and I'll think, oh man, I was way too harsh on that movie. You know, I, I really, I really need to reconsider what I thought about the movie. Uh, that is not how I feel about Wonder Woman. I feel completely yeah. like my opinion, if not only hasn't changed, but has... You feel completely vindicated, as a wise man said yeah, this week. Completely vindicated. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's correct, Devendra. Uh, similar situation in terms of how totally correct, correct that person was. Yeah. But, but you th- know what? Actually, Dave, I did rewatch Wonder Woman uh, this week with my wife, and I was specifically watching it for all the points you made, and uh, I, I would really encourage you to rewatch that movie. I, 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 I didn't yeah. even want to finish watching it once, so there's almost... <laughs> no chance i'm gonna watch it again that's even harsher but i think um i think that what is uh it it really does feel like i am uh what is it is mugatu in uh, zoolander like am i taking crazy pills you know like i feel like i'm taking crazy pills i feel i also feel like your opinion is getting more and more uh violently like uh different from us like because you have to defend it so i feel like i see what's happening here i mean i think you started out i I think that's part of it you said you appreciated the movie first off and then you just just like some elements but now it's getting worse dave well i didn't uh i didn't think it was terrible you know i thought i would give it like a c minus you just said you didn't want to finish watching it yeah Yeah, that's because well that's because it's not an okay movie that doesn't mean the end that doesn't mean the movie is terrible it means i thought the ending was really bad like you're like the last 10 minutes i'm out i'm walking out yeah uh, closer to the last half hour but yeah it's all it's 
all a wash because uh, because of that. Because yeah, yeah, other yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, do the exact I, look, same thing. No, let yeah. me just pick, let me just clarify. Right, there were many awesome elements about Wonder Woman. I voiced a lot of awesome elements about the, mm-hmm. the movie in the last episode. I thought the opening was great. You know, Gal Gadot was great. I would like to say that my favorite comment about your comments, David. Uh, I wish I had looked up who said this so I could credit them, but uh, a listener said that you listening to our show was like that scene in Wonder Woman where she's holding the shield and you know hit, all the bullets are hitting her shield except instead of bullets it's logic and reason <laughs> and good taste i like that one too for some reason yeah that was good that's good but uh, uh no Dave, so, so, so what i was saying too specifically like a lot of the things you brought up like the the no man's land sequence and everything like i've specifically watched it with your viewing in mind and it's it does seem like you were watching something completely different like everything you were looking for is kind of there so I would, yeah, at some point, I'd love yeah. to know how you feel about the movie after rewatching it. Sure. I, I, I will likely rewatch it again because my fiance will probably make me. But I disagree. And I think I just, it's fine. The movie is okay. It's not terrible, but it's not great. And I think just seeing everyone go ridiculously, you know. Uh, you have to say something. Gaga you have to be like, no, it's, it's not that great. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I, I think there is some value in giving voice to uh, that opinion about a movie that has, you know, a $150 million marketing budget behind it or something. I, th- like. I think I totally so, agree with you, but I do feel like it's sometimes it teeters over to the point where it's like your enjoyment of this thing, which... I think we have fully justified why we enjoyed it, too, and why so many things about it do work. Uh, sometimes it feels like your enjoyment is wrong, and you are enjoying things wrong. and that feels I see, weird. I see. Okay, yeah. No, that's that's definitely not my And that intention. was the part of the Dark Knight thing for you, too, Dave. Don't that's forget. That's definitely not my intention whatsoever. So if that's the way it comes across, if that's the way it comes across, that's not my intention. I mean, I don't. if you guys are enjoying it, that's awesome, but... I also think that there are a lot of problems with this movie, and I feel the need to voice them. I need to stand in my own truth on this podcast. Go ahead, Jeff. I also, I also <laughs> pointed out some problems that I have with the movie. I don't think it's yep. perfect. Uh, I feel more sure than ever about my thoughts on the movie. That being said, you know, Devendra, I think you feel the same way, and that's fine. Uh, I'm glad you guys really enjoyed it and really appreciate everyone's feedback. Devendra, you wanted to talk a little bit about the sequel. Uh, well, not so much the sequel, but I did want to talk about Petty Jenkins because we didn't bring up her and like her career and kind of how strange it is that you know this is the first time uh, there's a female director for a big budget superhero movie and the fact that it did so well and i think it's important to recognize that because it kind of proves a lot of hollywood uh philosophy wrong i guess like in terms of who directs these movies and can women direct a big action movie and make it successful she definitely proved that you know totally possible it is strange that we haven't heard anything about her potentially doing the sequel yet. So I find that kind of odd. I just hope like she gets a lot of offers and I hope like this pays off for her because Monster was a great movie. That was 2003. That was a movie with a ton of Oscar buzz. And she hadn't done a single movie since then. She's directed, uh, what, the pilot for The Killing, which was a very good pilot and some stuff all around. Uh, she did some Arrested Development and Entourage, I see. But yeah, it is strange to me that we're seeing all these young like dudes and young white male directors coming in from like a single indie movie to directing Godzilla or directing Jurassic World. And it took so much more work for her to get to this point. So, yeah, just want to recognize that. I thought we did hear news that she might be involved in a sequel. Well, no, she has not officially been signed on for this. That's the news we heard is that she's not been signed on for the sequel. That That is actually not odd. 
Uh, it is apparently standard for Warner Brothers to only hire for one film in, in situations like these. Um, but I think they are deeply regretting that decision because yeah, I have a feeling she's going to be a lot more expensive now after sure. the movie opened pretty well. $103.3 million domestic opening. Yeah, uh, just as I good. predicted. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I, uh, I, I do think the movie begs a sequel because it's not a spoiler to say, what was she doing during World War II? <laughs> like, we we kind of need to know about World War II now. There's a sequel already to the World War that that needs to be kind of addressed, I think. Uh, Let me ask you this question, guys. Would you, as – well, you aren't a fan of the movie, Dave, but uh, <laughs> would, would you prefer to see a another period Wonder Woman movie or would you want to see a modern-day Wonder Woman movie? Yeah, I don't think we need to do World War II, honestly. I know that's the expected. Like, what was she doing, though? <laughs> She's fighting, like, was helping. She? You Let's know. see that, then. I, I would rather, like, see more of the connected uh, tissue of, like, how she exists today and what she, what is she doing in Paris and all this. Like, I kind of want the modern-day stuff with maybe some flashbacks, but I don't – like, the thing is, whenever you do a sequel to a series like this, you kind of want to do the thing again. And doing World War II would feel like the thing again. So I would, I would hope for something completely different, but I'm excited for whatever they come up with. I'm also more interested in a modern-day Wonder Woman, to be honest with you. I'm just being kind of tongue-in-cheek with the World War II <laughs> thing. But um, I, I worry that that would start being a servant of the universe master rather than Wonder Woman's story. I think what one of the things that made this movie work so well is that it was allowed to be its own thing. Right. And, and I would be a worried that now it's trying to juggle all these other priorities and kind of muddy Wonder Woman's fun tale. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they take it. And I think we're going to see Wonder Woman again uh, in Justice League, right? That's coming Definitely. out this year. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that character Is that coming uh, out this year? Develops. Yeah, I think, I think it's this fall, right? Justice is League it? in the was... release date is uh, November 17th of 2017. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. So we people who are a big fan of Wonder Woman will get to see her again, uh, kicking ass. I think Wonder Woman is the best uh, DC Comics film to come out since uh, since The Dark Knight, and uh, I, I think that these movies were originally conceived with uh, Batman v Superman as being you know the kind of big stars and. Uh, uh, and Wonder Woman being kind of a side character. That's certainly how Batman v Superman played out. So I'm interested if Justice League is going to change its focus at all, if like reshoots are going to factor in, given how popular Wonder Woman is, given how popular the character is. So um, anyway. Well, I, I hope that she is certainly treated with the gravitas she deserves in that film, but she, it's not like that movie outperformed Batman v Superman or Man of Steel. It it, it still hasn't. So um, the, those movies opened bigger, and it's not like D, it, Warner Brothers woke up and went, "Well, she's a the star." It's it, I don't think they're having that revelation, but I certainly hope that they understand that she is an equal among peers. Right. Um, and but uh, you know, Brian David says, "I have no doubt in my mind that Joss Whedon will increase Wonder Woman's role." Uh, but how, we don't. I think that is such a presumptuous thing to say. Uh, we have zero idea of what Joss Whedon is doing on this project. Like he may just be shepherding this thing the last few min- miles. Right, right. We have. No, it is so. I think that it is the the utmost of fanboy hubris to read into those things you have no idea the dynamic how how close to finish the movie was what needed still to be done 
what his uh, input is going to be. It's I think it's super cool. He's involved. I think it's a very sad situation uh, for Zack Snyder and his family. It is a tra- tragedy and it's horrible, but it is really cool that Joss Whedon is the guy they turn to and is willing to to shepherd this thing the rest of the way. But we have zero idea what his impact on this movie is going to be. And I think to say otherwise, to be like, I'm certain that he'll make Wonder Woman a, a bigger part. You have no clue. You have no clue. So I, Sure, I, it, that, that's true. Me. I think it's it's very possible. It's very possible Warner Brothers might lean on him to do that. You know, like, who knows? I, I agree. Right, it's a big question mark as to what how that's going to play out. I mean, you could still speculate a little without saying certainty, right? Because I also mentioned some of that last week. And it's just, you're just putting the pieces together. Because Joss Whedon, we know what he does as a writer and as a creator. But yeah, Justice League was also probably mostly done, given how closely they were to it. So we some, don't know. Yeah. I think some people were reacting to the fact that in the Justice League movie, there is a scene, the, the Justice League movie trailer, there's kind of this scene where uh, Batman kind of saves Wonder Woman in some way. And I'm, you know, that, it, it's kind of a reference to a similar scene in Batman v Superman, but. Uh, yeah, I, I am just very curious how the success of Wonder Woman is going to play into both the movie Justice League as well as the perception of Justice League. So, uh, okay. Well, Wonder Woman is out. It's doing very well. And uh, despite my feelings in the movie, I'm actually very happy that it's doing very well because I think that uh, it's going to be good for the industry. Uh, you, you know, I was um, thinking of, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I, I've been reading profiles of uh, female directors on The Ringer recently. They've done some really great profiles. Uh, Mimi Letter, who does The Leftovers. They did a profile of Amy Heckerling, who directed Clueless recently. And there is this whole... Uh, it, it does feel to me like this very uh, immense burden that female directors have when they have a movie like Wonder Woman. Because I think there's this perception like, oh, if Wonder Woman didn't work or if it didn't do well, like, well... Like we tried it with a woman director, you know. Now we can't do that for a while. Uh, but you never hear anything like that for male directors, right? It's, if right. a male director movie bombs, you know, when uh, uh, movie bombs, you never hear. Well, we can't do movies directed by men anymore because it's just not going to work. Um, but I think because there's so few female directors uh, that are working today, and their movies come out so infrequently in theaters, uh, there's just like so much more pressure for them uh, unfairly. To, to have movies that perform well. And so really glad that this... Like, I, what I'm saying is I hope one day um, a female-directed movie bombing uh, will not be news, right? Or a female, uh, female-directed female movie doing well will not be news. Uh, right. And right, unfortunately, right now, it is still news. And uh, hopefully with more stories like this, more stories told by women, it will one day not be news. Um, okay. So one thing we got to announce... Uh, before we move on to the rest of the show. And that is... We do not want to review Transformers. (laughs) We do not want to review Transformers The Last Night. This is the fifth Michael Bay-directed Transformers movie. Fool me five times. (laughs) I think, Devendra, for you and me, uh, Transformers 4, The Age of Extinction, was really the breaking point. I mean, at that point, uh, we really just said, hey, we've been watching Transformers movies for, you know... A significant part of our lives. <laughs> and they're getting and, and, longer. And, and, and they're getting time. longer and none of them are good. And we're just like, this is not, this is not, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not doing this anymore. It's kind of, it was over. The Transformers, hoping that they would be good, that was over for us. And not only that, like the conversations that we had about Transformers were largely the same. It's not like there's revelatory things we could say about Transformers every single time a new one came out. That being said, those reviews were extremely fun. 
And listeners do enjoy those reviews. And we have gotten a bunch of interest in uh, on Twitter and in emails and on the Slack Filmcast at slackfilmcast.com asking us to review Transformers uh, The Last Night. So, so we thought to ourselves... This is a predicament, didn't we, Dave? We thought, <laughs> this is a predicament. We, we, were, we were agonizing over this because here's the thing. On the one hand, yeah, it would probably be a fun episode. Uh, it would be fun because the movie's probably going to be awful and it's fun to hear us talk about bad movies. But on the other hand, uh, we all have lives. You know, I just got a new job. I'm working at Amazon now. I'm very excited about that. Um, Jeff has a kid. Devendra's killing it over at Engadget. And, and our understanding is that Transformers The Last Night is five and a half hours long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically a <laughs> whole what work we heard. day. It's a whole work day, right? <laughs> so uh, what, what, what to do? Like, do we really want to spend uh, several hours of our life watching this awful movie um, for people's entertainment? And the answer to that question is yes with a but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are willing to do this, but... Uh, in order to do this, what we would like to do is we, we are not going to endure this hardship for no reason, <laughs> for no purpose, right? For, for, no, for no good done in the world other than your entertainment. We are going to transform a bad thing into a good thing. It's like, it's like the experience of this movie is just some crappy car. And we want, to sound trans- effect. Yeah. Yeah, we want to transform it like into – Something amazing like a robot. Yes, yes. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to launch a GoFundMe page. And to find this GoFundMe page, you got to go to GoFundMe.com slash slash formers. That's GoFundMe.com slash and then the word slash formers. Like transformers, but with a slash. And we're going to try to raise $500 for the Los Angeles Children's Hospital. Now, if you uh, have been paying attention to the news recently, uh, this is the hospital I think Jimmy Kimmel mentioned in his recent viral speech about uh, how his child uh, almost died. And uh, the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles uh, saved a child. And it's, it's an amazing it's, place. It's an amazing, amazing place. They do miracles there. Uh, and we think that saving children's lives is something that everyone can get behind regardless of your political persuasion in so order- all you have to do is is donate some money and you will do two things <laughs> yep one you will be helping sick kids and and making the world a better place and two you will be making sure that we watch this movie so you don't have to so <laughs> think of the price that you would spend on watching this movie give it to children and let us take the bullet for seeing the movie. It's yeah. a win-win for you. It's a, it's a win-win. Uh, so, yeah, our, our goal is $500. If we don't make it, we're not going to watch the movie. <laughs> we are literally not watching the movie. Yeah, we're just not going to so do it. It so, puts us in this weird position of kind of rooting against sick kids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, Jeff. I think we're, oh, okay. we're rooting for the sick kids oh, and, and for producing an awesome hour of the Slash Filmcast. But yeah, I mean, also, if, if people aren't good enough to want to support sick kids, then, you know, then we're not good enough to watch the new Transformers movie. <laughs> I think is really what we're saying. So, But maybe we can raise more than $500. What do you think about that? I think that would be amazing. I think yeah. that would be amazing. I think our listeners can do it. GoFundMe.com slash slash formers. That's GoFundMe.com slash slash formers. And hopefully by the time you're listening to this, that link is live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's currently not as we're recording it, and 
hopefully we're putting a lot of faith in Dave making that happen. Yeah, I'm really going to hope that it all works out. It all works out. So anyway, uh, thanks for all the suggestions that we reviewed Transformers last night. And we look forward to hopefully doing that and doing good for the world at the same time. Because it's kind of like equilibrium or for every action, there's an opposite reaction. Yeah. Um, Seeing Transformers is a terrible thing to do. It's a terrible (laughs) use of time. It's a horrible act that will scant be forgiven by our, our progeny and um raising money for sick kids is is a good thing to do you know so like these two things cancel each other out so. yeah balancing the force yeah all right guys uh well let's after that massive follow-up segment let's get to the show this week uh just want to mention real quickly uh did a lot of flying this week watched a few things on the plane um and uh got through catastrophe season three and uh, really enjoyed it. That's on Amazon Prime Video. Full disclosure, I work for Amazon. But uh, really liked Catastrophe Season 3. And I, I think what Jeff said about it was pretty accurate. Gets pretty dark. Uh, but what I think that is great about the show is, you know, A, how funny it is. Uh, and the central performances uh, by uh, Rob Delaney and Shannon Horgan. But also, um, also how... Uh, Sharon Horgan, I should say. Also, how brave it is about tackling the subjects about parenthood and marriage that uh, other shows either are afraid to or don't tackle as honestly uh, or as you know explicitly and i think this show does that in a very uh, very effective way so catastrophe season three it's on amazon prime video really liked it davindra you uh you finished this uh, season yet i haven't finished it uh, that all, i like it so far it seems like a dangerous show to watch on the plane, though, Dave. So kudos to you. Oh, yeah. Just in terms of people being next to you. Uh, yeah. Might, yeah. It's like, what's I, going on here? I usually turn the subtitles on, too, uh, so people could theoretically watch along. But, yeah, it's uh, uh, it, it, it did get dicey there. It did get dicey there for a bit. So anyway, uh, that's what I've been watching, Catastrophe Season 3. Devendra, what have you been watching? Uh, a couple of things. I've been catching up on Riverdale, which is the Archie show on the CW. And uh, I, I was in Taiwan for a while covering Computex. So this was on Netflix and just made it really easy to catch up. And I have to say, I like the pilot when I saw it uh, when it first aired. This show is really good. Like, just genuinely great. It's funny. The drama is great. The writing is fantastic. And I really like the characters and the actors. This show basically is better than it has any right to be. And at times it evokes things like Friday Night Lights. I think you'd really enjoy this show, uh, Jeff. Um, there's just so much going on here. I have no real attachment to the Arthi, Ar- uh, Archie mythology at all. But it's it works. Like, they do really good things with these characters. And even if you don't read Archie or know much about it, you kind of know some of them. You know some of the characters. You know Archie and Veronica and Betty and even Josie and the Pussycats. So they're all here. And they're all, you know, doing really cool things. So definitely think it's worth checking out. And now that uh, the first season's on Netflix, it's pretty easy. You're not the only person that's recommended that show to me. I think uh, you dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Might have to check it out. All right. Uh, so that's Riverdale. It's on CW. It just wrapped up its first season. What else have you been watching, Divin Ruth? I also finally saw Personal Shopper, which is uh, Olivier Assayas's film uh, starring Kristen Stewart, um, where she stars as a personal shopper in Paris. Uh, this movie is well, what not, is a personal like, shopper? Pray tell. Just basically, very rich people who want nice things but don't have time to go out and do the shopping. Uh, they have somebody who knows their tastes and will just go out and do the legwork. Because uh, often these aren't things you could get like in a store, right? You have to go to a designer and do all this stuff and get all your measurements in. So this is the person that handles that. So basically, yeah, somebody who handles the 
clothes shopping for very, very rich and famous people. It, uh, has, always, it has always felt mm-hmm. to me like a uh, a good like I, I've always wanted to be in the rich people industry in some way, right? Because right. there's so much there's so much money there, uh, and it, it just, just like because they're so lazy. Right. Well, I, don't, I don't know that they're so lazy, they're but so it's just, busy. yeah, they're they're so busy, and and they they pay lots of money to have things done exactly how they want. But if you're uh-huh. just a small, if you could just carve out a small part of that for yourself by doing something like shopping, you know, you could probably do pretty well for yourself. Yeah. My uh, wife has a friend who is a, a flight attendant uh, for a um, very, very, very wealthy family who has a private jet. And that is her full-time job. Wow. She goes on maybe one flight a month and is paid a full, very good salary. Uh, sometimes she'll just have to like fly to London for a couple of nights and be the flight attendant. But the rest of the time, she's just waiting around to see if they need to fly somewhere. And she, that's all she does. And she that's has rough, a man. full-time, full-time job. <laughs> yeah. That I, is wow. full salary. I'm, I'm, I'm physically angry right now. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> all right, Devendra. So uh, how was the movie by Olivier? The movie is very good. Yeah. Uh, I really like uh, the way Olivier Assayas uses Kristen Stewart. She was in his last movie too, The Clouds of Sils Maria. And uh, it's just a great combination because Kristen Stewart – is a great actress. Like she, in the right material with the right script and the right director, I think she can do some great performances. And this movie is also kind of strange because it's sort of a ghost story too. So I didn't quite know the full extent of it going into it. Uh, the title almost seems a little misleading for what this movie ends up being. But uh, she is a personal shopper. She's also sort of a medium and somebody who's trying to get in touch with her dead brother. And somehow those two plot lines collide. Uh, I, I just thought the movie was fascinating. Great focus on Kristen Stewart. And this movie has some of the most uh, effective text messaging conversations I've seen <laughs> in, in film. Because so much that's of it I, is... That's what I look yeah. for in a good movie. It's a good yeah, text message there you go. conversations. That's the, the style we're going for here. But it's also, you know, so much of our lives are determined by like these you know little messages and conversations we're having on our phones. And I think it kind of reflects that in an interesting way. So... Yeah, just want to say uh, Olivier Sayas, one of my favorite directors working right now. He's done a bunch of stuff. He did Summer Hours a couple of years ago, uh, the Carlos miniseries, which is fantastic. Uh, and this is just yet another great film from him. And really hard to classify, too, because it's sort of a weird ghost story and also a personal drama about grief. Uh, but worth checking out for sure. That's Personal Shopper. It's available. Where did you get it, Devendra? How did you watch that movie? Honestly, I saw it on the plane, but it is also on iTunes right now. Cool. All right, Jeff Canato, what have you been watching this week? Well, I started uh, the new season of House of Cards. I know you guys are not big fans of that show, but my wife and I have been huge fans of House of Cards, and we've absolutely loved uh, all of the seasons, and we're hotly anticipating this one. Uh, Three episodes in, and it's a slog because of reality. Uh, And this is not a referendum on reality, but... um, it, it, it's, it is a completely different world now watching that show, and I kind of suspected it might be, but I didn't know to what extent it would be – it would make the show less watchable. I still think it's beautifully shot. I still love the performances, particularly by Robin Wright. Um, but my goodness, it, it is so difficult to watch the just the premise of the show in light of, of the world today. Uh, I'll give you an example one of the big plot lines of the first few episodes is that uh, Frank Underwood is leveraging 
fear and terrorism to sort of push his agenda through. And one of the things he's doing is uh, calling for a travel ban. And uh, it's like, well, you just write an executive order, dude, because that's what happened in real life. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, it is, you're watching a brilliant Machiavellian tactician who is, you know, has nefarious purposes, but is strategic and, and feels like, uh, you know, he has to pull all these brilliant strings in order to make things happen. And, and you go, no, just be a bumbling idiot, and knock things over. And it, it, you can accomplish the same stupid things. So I, it, it's less fun to watch this show. It is just palpably less fun for me to watch House of Cards. So I don't know how long it's going to take for us to finish it. My wife is like, I don't know if I can watch this. Um, which is really sad because reality ruined a really good show for me. <laughs> well, sorry to hear about that, Jeff. Um, but uh, yeah, I think reality has bigger problems these days than the quality of House of well, Cards for you. <laughs> this is the biggest problem. I can yeah, you know, understand. actually, now that you yeah. say it that way, you're right. Um, yeah. But uh, all right, well, the House of Cards, the new season is on Netflix. Uh, also, Orange is the New Black, new season on Netflix. Do you guys have a chance yeah. to check that out yet? Sounds like a Devendra. I have not caught up. I have season, not yet. I, I have not caught up with actually season uh, three or four yet, so I'm way behind. But I, I, I heard they try something very different with this season of Orange is the New Black, so curious to see what the reaction to that is like. Anyway, uh, that's House of Cards on Netflix. That's what we've been watching this week. Uh, we got to move on. Before we move on, though. Yeah, uh, that's cute for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> before we move on, Dave, uh, speaking of um, reality <laughs> making it hard to sleep... <laughs> smooth smooth hey i need to tell you about a way to get good sleep and a way to save money chances are you are sleeping on an, a mattress that has far outlived its intended purpose it, I, I can tell you from my experience i had the same mattress when i moved out of my parents house in high school to go to college i had that mattress all the way through college post-college and into adult life and all of a sudden, I had weird aches and pains in my back and neck, and I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on with me. I guess I'm just getting old. That's a really great Jeff impression, by the way. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I work on it a lot. Uh, <laughs> I'm around him all the time. Um, it, and what I realized was all I had to do was swap out my mattress. Sleep, I think we undervalue, particularly in the United States. Undervalue sleep. What you should do is – Get yourself a great place to sleep on a great high-quality mattress, and Casper is there to help. They are a brand that has created one perfect mattress that they sell directly to customers. And the reason that's important to you is that most of the time when you go to these big, gigantic warehouse stores and and you're going to buy a mattress, they got commission-driven salespeople – who are there to pester you and you, you only have a couple of minutes to like lie down on a couple of mattresses and you're like, ah, that seems pretty fine. And the prices are inflated because they got to pay those commissions. They got to pay the overhead of that big warehouse and all that stuff. Casper cuts through all that garbage and gives you a great mattress at a fraction of the price because they can just sell it directly to you over the internet and they can send it to you. It's cool. They send it to you in this cool little box and when you get it, uh, when I got mine, like I, it comes with this cool little um, tool that you slice it open. Slice it open. It unfurls in your house. It inflates by itself. And uh, it's not inflating. It's, it's not an air mattress. <laughs> it actually is, is uh, memory foam and it's really uh, high-quality materials. But it constructs itself in front of you. And then uh, you have it there and you can sleep on it for up to 100 nights before you have to decide 
whether or not you really want to keep it. Uh, they are so confident that you're going to love the way this mattress feels that they will let you try it out in your own home for 100 nights. And should you decide you don't want it, they'll come and pick it up and take it away and give you your money back. That's pretty cool. So this is uh, supportive memory foams with an award-winning sleep surface with just the right amount of sync and just the right amount of, of bounce and over 20,000 reviews with an average of 4.8 stars uh, prove that a lot, a lot of people are loving this mattress. This is from Amazon and Google reviews. You get free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada and it is all designed, developed, and assembled in the United States. So that's pretty cool for uh, people here in our country as well. Plus, because you listen to the Slash Filmcast, we're going to give you $50 off your order. All you got to do is got to go to casper.com slash filmcast and then use our promo code filmcast and that'll get you $50 off your purchase. You guys like the Casper mattresses, right? Yeah, big fan, big fan. Also big fan of getting $50 off things. As well. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Useful. I've been I've been using one for a couple of years and it's fantastic. I still love it. Casper.com slash and then the word filmcast and then the word filmcast F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T as the promo code to get your fifty dollars off your purchase. Sleep better, sleep more soundly, and get rid of those aches and pains like I did. We also gotta thank all the people who donated to the slash filmcast this week. Uh, we have a donation on behalf of Suzanne. Simon loves you very much and he's very happy to have you. Uh, that's from SimonMHarris.com, uh, who is our uh, the guy who does the slash film court music uh, for us. So we really appreciate his work on that. Uh, also, we gotta thank Pappy in Dallas who writes with his donation. If the Preacher TV series was an HBO or Netflix original, you would have watched season one as it aired. Just admit you have a bias against AMC genre shows like The Walking Dead and Seth Rogen, e- uh, EP of Preacher. Jeff, admit it and turn in your Preacher fan card because no true fan would go a day, let alone a year, without watching the series, end quote. Man. Pe- Peppy really uh, has a lot of interest in you seeing Preacher, Jeff. There's a lot. There's a, I think there's a Jeff Watch Preacher Twitter feed yes. that somebody – there's, uh, some, there's a guy who – or I assume it's a guy who made a Twitter account specifically to shame Jeff into watching Preacher. I assume it's Pappy. That might be Pappy. I, 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 <laughs> I got to imagine it's Pappy. But Pappy's willing to put his money where his mouth is and donate just to shame you on the podcast. So <sighs> I guess I got to watch it now if he's actually donating. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that, Pappy. It's not that I have a – I mean maybe I have a little – You hate Seth it. Rogen, Jeff. Just admit it. You hate I Seth ha- Rogen. I, do, I have been in his home. I, I've, <laughs> I know him – Personally. Against uh, Seth's will, I think, right? In fact, I admired <laughs> I admired his preacher uh, original artwork that he had on the wall. Uh, you um, just don't want the dream to be destroyed. I get it, Jeff. Yeah, I don't want the dream. Thank you, Devinter. That is exactly it. it. Yeah. Exactly it. And honestly, like I've heard, I haven't read all of Preacher, but I've heard from some comic fans that they don't kind of like some of the ways the show is approaching things and the pacing of the show and. I like the show for what it is. Um, I've also liked the comics, but yeah, I have the distance. I could like take a step back and look at them differently. If you're if you're so devoted to the comic, Jeff, um, you may have some issues with the show. But you, I think you should still check it out. At some I point. should check it out. Yeah. I know. Uh, also, uh, Jesper Astrom from Sweden donated, uh, and he says David was one hundred percent one hundred percent correct on Wonder Woman. Balancing out uh, Irvin Hahn's donation from last week that says Dave is wrong. 
So uh, hmm. a couple donations canceling them, themselves out. I, I like how <laughs> listeners are using the donations to send us pointed messages about how well <laughs> we're doing our jobs on the Slash Filmcast. I like it. Yeah. We'll uh, gladly accept that. Thanks for all the donations. You can always uh, donate by going to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. Or go to slashfilm.com, use the Slash Filmcast tab, use the PayPal links on the side of the page. All the money you donate goes to helping us uh, see movies, defray the costs of uh, doing the show. So thanks so much for uh, our donors and for our sponsor this week. Let's move on to our review of The Mummy. What the hell? Whatever's in there has been safely hidden for 2,000 years. This isn't a tomb. It's a prison. Nick! The hieroglyph said she was named Amunet, chosen to be Egypt's next queen. But her thirst for power led her down a darker path, one that had to be stopped. That was from the trailer for The Mummy, new film by director Alex Kurtzman, stars Tom Cruise, Russell Crowe, Annabelle Wallace, and Sofia Boutella. Uh, I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. An ancient princess is awakened from her crypt beneath the desert bringing with her malevolence grown over millennia and terrors that defy human comprehension. This is the uh, first movie, I think, that's explicitly branded as part of Universal's new Dark Universe. <laughs> I was right, honestly confused by that because there's like an opening. There's where an opening they, uh, and you see the Universal yeah. globe spin around and then yep. it spins around again and, and you see the opposite side of the globe. It's very dark and it <laughs> says Dark Universe, which... Guys, yeah. it's like, uh, you know how Marvel has their thing with all the characters, and you see Iron Man and Thor, and it's like, duh, 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 and it's like Marvel Studios at the beginning of Marvel films. Right. Oh, well, by the way, because it's Marvel Studios. Yeah. The new DC yeah. one is really cool. Did you see The new DC one in front of Wonder Woman, they just like updated it. It's pretty rad. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice. Uh, so Universal basically wants something like that. But right. they don't have any characters that people like yet. <laughs> um, so all they have is the words Dark Universe, which they I have to say. You have characters that people liked in the 50s? Yeah. I mean, I got to say, uh, Dark Universe, it sounds kind of cheesy, guys. That's uh, It just feels like, huh, yeah. Dark Universe. Sounds like an emo goth band for teenagers. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> not not great. Nicely done, Devendra. So, yeah, the mummy. So, this is, they, they have uh, some decent pedigree going into this movie. Tom Cruise, who rarely makes bad films. Alex Kurtzman, who has written. Some really uh, awesome action movies. You know, he he created Fringe. Uh, he wrote movies like uh, Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams movie. I do question um, a bit of this pedigree because he hasn't really directed much. Right? Uh, well, that's true. That's true. He has not directed much. So this is kind of one of his first directorial credits. He did a movie called People Like Us uh, in 2012 starring Chris Pine that a lot of people haven't seen. But it's kind of a small uh, indie comedy drama. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's also written, you know, some really big movies like, uh, Star Trek and, uh, Mission Impossible 3. So this guy knows how to make blockbuster movies. He knows how to tell blockbuster movie stories. Um, and, uh, we also have, you know, great supporting cast, Russell Crowe, Annabelle Wallace, Sophia Patella, Jake Johnson, Courtney B. Vance. These are people whose work I really appreciate. So, uh, regardless of the Dark Universe moniker, I had a lot of hope going into The Mummy. I, I thought, hey, maybe this could be good. And certainly uh, The Mummy, the Stephen Summers movie, that has a very special place in my heart. I think we all, uh, I'm guessing, still like The Mummy one. from. Uh, that's, a, that's a fun movie, the, sure. The only movie, maybe the only movie I've ever walked out of. Okay. <laughs> all right. Jeff, why don't you I talk us through that? Talk us loathed through that. 
loathed the original Mummy, oh, uh, walked out of it, and have not seen it since, nor its sequels. Well, you really wow. missed the Scorpion King, Jeff. That was pretty amazing. I know. As, as big a rock fan as I am, I didn't see the Scorpion King. That's how much I despised the first Mummy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, uh, that, so, so deal with that. I'm trying. I'm trying to pro- like. Yeah. That, why, why, yeah. Why did you hate it so much? Like, I'm trying to process this. At, yeah. at mo- like, I can't imagine it even inspiring such a large reaction. So, uh, it uh, I, for whatever reason, my friend and I went in to see it on a on a matinee on a on a on a lovely day. We we're ex- so excited to go see the Mummy, and within the first twenty minutes, we turned to each other and we're like, "Let's leave. This is terrible." <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, that I mean, was whatever not- whatever year that came out is what, when that was. So who knows. Yeah. It's not like a great movie, but I do remember, I guess, generationally, too, like that came out. Well, I was in high school and a lot of people like just 1999 was when it came yeah. out. I think the moment, if I remember correctly, the moment we decided to leave was right after the bookcases all fell like dominoes. <laughs> remember that? With uh-huh. uh, Rachel Weiss and the bookcases all falling like dominoes. In yep. the, in her, and I was like, we need to leave. This is, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to watch this anymore. Oh. And did yeah, I feel like you, you want to do the same thing here, Jeff. Yeah, uh, well, all I remember was how wildly successful the Mummy t- Returns mm-hmm. was. I, I mm-hmm. just remember that movie making so much money back in the day. Uh, it made three hundred and thirty-five million dollars. I'm sorry, let me do that again. Um, on its opening day, it made twenty-four million dollars, which back in uh, the year two thousand one was pretty substantial, and it grossed two hundred million dollars in the U.S. Uh, and $230 million uh, outside of the U.S. So just like a pretty massive take for a movie based on, uh, a sequel to a movie based on The Mummy, um, the concept of The Mummy. So yeah, uh, very successful. It, back in the day, it was great. And so I think Universal's like, hey, let's tap into that. Let's tap into that zeitgeist again. Divinder Hardwar. Well, I think you- it was more about them trying to establish this dark universe with all of their monster. I mean, you didn't kind of even describe what dark universe is, but it's going yeah. to be... Frankenstein and Dracula and the Mummy and right. Creature uh, from the Black Lagoon and yeah, yeah Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde I, and all, I, all of the I think Dracula Untold was supposed to be part of the Dark that Universe. That was yeah, that was the first step, and yeah, that failed. That didn't do very well, and also um, don't we they, have they did not brand it Dark Universe either. Right? They've they've uh, already announced all the casting for all those people, right? Isn't um, isn't um, Dracula going to be um, what's his name from the oh man brain's not working uh, javier bardem <laughs> javier bardem yeah. yes i think he's playing dracula and um um you know they've i think bride of frankenstein is the next dark universe movie that's they're making and it's it's all a whole thing it's a whole thing they're all in on this yeah yeah there was like this i think it was hollywood reporter i don't remember where it was but there was an image of all the people looking great uh but you got people <laughs> like tom cruise and javier bardem and johnny depp javier bardem is yeah. playing frankenstein by the way which yeah. makes yeah. more sense given oh sorry yes johnny depp is playing the invisible man i believe yeah yeah, yeah. so all, all these people uh who are theoretically big stars involving themselves in this uh dark universe in my opinion guys universal got greedy you know, oh, they, they already had their Fast and Furious universe of films and they already had their, their big cash cow. And they're like, we we want to do what Marvel's doing. We want to do what DC's doing, what Warner Brothers is doing. Uh, so let's get in on that. Let's get in on that. So Devinder Hardware, this being probably the first proper entry into, sure. into the Dark Universe, what did you th- how did you think uh, this fared? I will say I didn't have much hope going into this movie uh, just based on what we've seen and what we've heard. And honestly, my reaction to all this Dark Universe stuff is that it is just highly presumptuous, right? (laughs) And I feel like 
you, you're naming this thing, you're casting huge, like big actors. These aren't like small, you know, these are like, you know, people everybody knows. Um, and it feels like they're just trying to force this idea down our throats. Uh, and then I saw this movie and I definitely hate the concept even further, right? I hate this movie. There's nothing in this movie that works. And it's shocking. Like, it's shocking how bad this is. This is a movie that feels like, um, I, I don't know. It's it's definitely one of the worst things we've seen from Tom Cruise. He plays a Tom Cruise-y guy, except with none of the, like, charisma and interaction with other characters that, you know, we've grown to like from that, you know, kind of cocky uh, Tom Cruise uh, action hero. It tries to be Indiana Jones, and I really hated it for that because it, fuck you, you don't deserve this, and certainly it doesn't. And the movie tries to be both horror and action and fantasy and all these things. It's a mess. Like I didn't care about any of these characters. Um, I don't know why most of the why most of the things in this movie happened. Uh, the best thing about this movie is that uh, you know it's giving Sofia Batella another gig, and I love her and everything she's been doing recently, especially like Atomic Blonde. Like I love that her career is taking off. But yeah, this movie fails on every level. The action is incomprehensible and totally like there's no tension there. Uh, there's nothing actually scary about the horror elements. And I think I also hated it for wasting Jake Johnson, who's an actor I really like. Uh, I've loved him since New Girl. He's been in a couple things. He was also in Jurassic World and wasted there. But here he's actually playing a more significant character. And all they do is give him like make him the whiny guy. So, yeah, this movie fails on every level to me. Jeff Kanata, what did you think of The Mummy? Here we go, guys. Uh, I, want, I want to be clear. Don't, don't do this, Jeff. I want to be clear. Uh, this movie has, has big flaws. I liked it a lot. I really oh did. God. I had so uh, much fun with this movie. Can I, can I hang up Jeff from the Skype conversation <laughs> remotely? I, I, I know I have already invalidated my opinion by saying how much I hated the original Mummy and that I walked out of it. But you, so you hated the original, yeah. the widely beloved uh, blockbuster movie, and you like this one. I did. I had fun with this movie. I really did. Now, let me try to explain why. Okay. First of all, I'm in the bag for Tom Cruise. Uh, I am a sure, Tom Cruise sure. apologist. Uh, yes, his, his personal life is bizarre, and I'm not going to argue otherwise. I think the guy on screen has an unrivaled ability to make dumb stuff seem fun and he's charming and he's i just love watching the guy even in bad movies like jack the second jack reacher movie you know there's a watchability that he captures that is extremely rare he is a movie star like i i just think he's great and the first 45 minutes of this movie is uh tom cruise as nathan drake in the uncharted franchise it, and it, i he, thought you would hate that by the way jeff but okay <laughs> i, I maybe you know I, I don't know i just kind of bought into it and I, I was having fun and and he has his elena and he has his sully who's a little young for a sully but it's like it's uncharted and i i, I was having fun with it he's you know a little bit different than a typical tom cruise because he, he's a little bumbling and he's a little inept and he's a little um greedy and self-serving and i thought it was kind of fun seeing him play a little uh, against type in the sense that he's not yeah. you know perfect tom cruise and as he is in most movies well what uh, if indiana jones were actually a scumbag thief i mean that's, that's nathan drake right it's nathan drake from uncharted yeah. it's like that's said, that's yeah 
this, um, is, this is gonna be a longer conversation, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Devin just like strap in for this one. I yeah. also I know you guys are gonna totally disagree, but I also kind of dig the whole League of Extraordinary Gentlemen thing they're pulling with this dark universe. I I agree with you that the horror isn't horror-y. I don't think it's supposed to be. I think this is a superhero no, it's superhero-y. And I, I – yeah, so it sounds like you're reading it the same way, but that feels incredibly wrong. I don't, it just feels – it feels like we are so desperate for superheroes. Like DC is desperate and Warner Brothers is doing everything it can to kind of build up for Marvel. This feels even doubly forced because these are characters think, that I don't think you're wrong. Aspect. I don't think you're wrong in the how desperate it is. I just I guess I just didn't hold that against it nearly as much because I I liked I thought when Alan Moore did it it was brilliant. It's like, "Oh, let's take all these public domain characters and turn them into superheroes." Like, let's reimagine. Right, I thought right. it was a fun twist and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen film is a terrible uh, but I thought here's a way to kind of do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen right. Like this is an interesting twist on the mythologies of all these of all these classic horror characters like i i was kind of in for it i was i liked the weird bat cave that they came up with and the you know there's a lot of fun twists on or or shoehorning superhero stuff into those mythologies that i i had a good time with and i don't agree that the action is bad i i Mm. there's a plane crash sequence that is absolutely thrilling and breathless and amazingly realized and fight scenes that I thought were fun and I I, I had a good time with this movie. I know it's it, there are big flaws. As you said, uh, there's one character that basically gets transformed into Exposition Man for really <laughs> no reason. Like there's no reason for that at all. Um, also Narration Man, but yeah. The, it's yeah, it is flawed, right? It's not perfect. It, it it is a big dumb popcorn film that's that's trying to establish this universe in a in a kind of uh, clunky, you know, nail on the head kind of way. Mm-hmm. But I had fun with it, and and I think that there's a lot of fun to be had in it. I, I'm a little okay. flabbergasted. Let, right let me now. make this yeah. let me make this 100 percent clear. Okay, guys. <laughs> Wonder Woman's a better movie than The Mummy. Okay? I just want to make sure. Well, I'm not arguing with that. (laughs) No, I know. I'm just making sure people don't uh, misunderstand uh, my standards for movies. Uh, Hopefully no one misunderstood what I was saying. I don't think this is better than than Wonder Woman. Here here is what I think is the fatal flaw of The Mummy. Is Tom Cruise not as an actor, but as a producer who would cast Tom Cruise in the main role of this movie. <laughs> right. Um, yes, that too. Because, because uh, Tom Cruise is, play- is playing this role of a character who theoretically should be 20 years younger, right? I, I <laughs> mean, least, the, the way he's spoken about, the, the way they talk about his sexual stamina, the way uh, Russell Crowe calls him a younger man, even though Tom Cruise <laughs> is actually older. Than Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe has gray in his hair in this movie, and Tom Cruise doesn't. So yeah. Tom Cruise goes go. shirtless in this movie, and it felt it felt weird, guys. But he's felt really Tom Cruise has been amazing. shirtless in every single movie. Like I think, if I'm thinking Jack Reacher. I don't remember if, if Rogue Nation he was shirtless, but he was definitely shirtless in 
Yeah, uh, I think the first Jack Reacher. In, but like, here, protocol. He's, he's, he's shirtless in almost every movie. It's definitely too, flexed yeah. a little more, I think. And I think, I don't know, it feels a little more flexed and a little more staged than it was in some of the other stuff. Oh, uh, everything in this movie feels yeah. uh, feels more staged in terms of yes. just... It's, yeah. It feels very contrived. I I think the problem... I, I saw this series of tweets the other day from Alicia Grauso, who's talking about how what people like DC and Universal fail to understand is the reason Marvel is so successful is not because the characters are related to each other in movies that span many years. It's because we care about the characters, right? Not, yes. not just because, oh, hey, this referred to this other thing and this other thing that happened. Oh, I remember seeing that movie from this other thing. Like, that's just having the mecha- mechanics of a franchise is not enough to guarantee people's interest. You need to have actual interest in this movie, uh, in the characters. And movies like uh, The Mummy don't do a good enough job of developing the characters, specifically in this case, uh, Tom Cruise's character. Uh, the main character of the movie, Nick Morton. I mean, it just... It, it, he has this love story with Annabelle Wallace's character that I think, you know, it doesn't really materialize uh, appreciably. Uh, there is this whole redemption arc that he's going on that I don't think really lands at all. Yeah. Um, the, 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 do not spend enough time developing this character and getting you to care about him uh, and instead, he just he just wanders through a lot of these fairly decent set pieces. Um, but on, on a character level, this movie just completely fails. And I think that's its biggest flaw. Um, that plus there's just a number of incredibly baffling decisions. I think mm-hmm. Russell Crowe specifically is just... just uh, I, I don't know that I think he does a bad job, but I think that character... Is a, is a disaster in this movie. It's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. And that, that's honestly what the whole movie feels like to me. Like, the script feels like a mess. Jeff, I... Okay, if you enjoyed it, that's that's good on you. I'm just, like, tough. It's tough for me to comprehend because I spent my entire time watching this movie just, like, my fingers were grasping the seat. Just, like, I needed to... Because <laughs> you were I on the edge get, of your seat, right, Devin? Yeah. <laughs> no, because I hated everything that was happening. Like, the action is not even thrilling. Like, at some point, we're, like, thrown... One of the early sequences, they're, they're going through, like, a, a town. Explosions start happening. There's no, like... We have no sense of where they are and how they're maneuvering through things. It's like, oh, look, another set. It's going to start exploding now, so I'm going to run this way. And then later on in the movie, it's it's Tom Cruise running away from the wind again, uh, even though I, I don't even know how that makes sense for it. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just a little baffled because this is a movie that feels completely joyless to me. And even the little bits of fun they have just feel like, hey, you remember Tom Cruise, right? Well, don't you like Tom Cruise in adventure movies? Don't you like Indiana Jones? Uh, this movie, like his character feels like... Answer yes to all those questions. <laughs> yeah. Except like, yeah, they're, they're giving... The, it's pre-programmed to like, yeah. I, I feel like um, it's programmed in a way to pretend like it's satisfying everything it's trying to give you. But, you know, his character is Indiana Jones by way of uh, Nathan Drake by way of like distilled through countless other attempts at like doing that type of thing. They did the, they even did like a little callback to Indiana Jones, right? The first time uh, his, his lady friend meets him, she punches him and 
I, I honestly, I hated that because like you didn't earn this. You you can't just pretend to be Indiana Jones and make me care about you. And then we'll talk about some more stuff in spoilers. But like it's it's just forcing itself to be entertaining. Like that whole airplane sequence. That's that's a fine bit of CG. Sure, there's some nice work there too. Uh, some like anti grav looking stuff. But we've we've seen that sort of sequence so many times, including like the most recent Mission Impossible movies. One where Tom Cruise was actually hanging off the side of a plane. It feels hard to be impressed with some of this stuff when we've seen all of it done so much better well, elsewhere. Well, t- to I be fair, really they actually they actually did the the anti grav like for real. You know, yeah, um, you can they, tell. I heard you can did, tell it's real. They did parabolic dives with yeah. the plane, yeah. and you can tell it's an extraordinary sequence when they're tumbling around and tr- he's trying to help her and she's trying to help him. It, it, it's extraordinary. It, it, it is. I was completely thrilled, and then the. I mean, we're not in spoilers, but the, the conclusion yeah. of that sequence I took me completely by surprise and was awesome, I thought. I don't know. It's, it's a decent five minutes in a 100-minute movie uh, that doesn't have that many other impressive sequences. I think it's more like the fact that it just – okay, it's, it, I did hear that he, they actually did it in the, the parabolic planes, but it's more the way it's shot. It's more the way it's presented. There's no, there's just like no skill there. There's no eye to it. It doesn't feel thrilling other than the fact that we're seeing them tumble around in anti-gravity. And I think that's the bigger thing. Like there's nothing, there's no care paid attention to pretty much any of the visuals in this movie too. So that's, yeah, it's, it's trying to throw a lot of us. It's trying to throw a lot at us, and I don't know if it quite deserves it. That's I actually it. think it does look really good as a movie. It's amazing. The, the some, frame of the C- of, some of the of CG is pretty rough, but overall, I actually, yeah, I, I liked how a lot of the shots are composed. He and she, there uh, in the in the right quadrant of the frame, and the and the world tumbling around in the left quadrant of the frame as they're as they're like pinned against the wall based on on the the G forces they're feeling. I, I thought all of that was visually really thrilling, and and I I could point to other moments in the movie that I think work visually i i just disagree with that all right all right well uh i i think you know overall davinder and i really didn't like the movie i i didn't hate it i didn't think it was uh, no it was pretty bad i mean i'm trying to think like, this, this movie I, is everything wrong did I with hollywood it? Yeah, it really like, is on. it really is it really is i mean i i guess i was surprised to see how much hate there was uh from critics about it uh because based on the movie i saw it didn't deserve quite that much but it deserved a lot of it you know, it's yeah, kind of like also- I had I had the Wonder Woman reaction in the opposite direction. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like okay, everyone's saying it's awful, and I think it's bad, but I didn't think it's like that bad. Um, yeah. But it's still pretty bad. It's still no, it's bad. not great. It's not a movie I'm going to like return to. I- Go ahead, Devendra. Well, no, I think once we get into spoilers, too, like there there is stuff they do in this movie. That does make me angry because of how they're portraying it and what they're trying to do with these characters. I don't even care about them. But the fact that they're trying to portray it this way just feels incredibly forced and incredibly, like, cynical. Like, they're just going to sit there and assume we're going to, you know, eat it all up. And I'm sure people will. But it's, yeah, it's just kind of sad to me. Like, this is not why I go to the movies. And certainly, like, I wish there was more love paid attention to this movie in terms of how it was written and how it was put together. All right. Well, why don't we get the spoilers for The Mummy starting right now? Now you're looking for the secret. You're gonna see this coming. No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not gonna see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled? Are you Are you kidding me? <laughs> Tom Cruise is the mummy. I mean, I, I think we, could have, uh, <laughs> we all saw that coming, right? We could have seen that coming. It's also. 
it's just incredibly dumb the way they're portraying it because yeah it is very superhero-y what is his conflict he was kind of a dirty soldier who stole things but he's a good man somehow because they keep telling us he's a good man and he's tom cruise and you just believe it like there's yeah the, uh, the arc is not there it's it's very it's a huge bummer going. that there's no i will agree that i don't understand why he stabs himself at the end that, I, uh, I, I mean that's the thing that, that is how badly this movie handles the MacGuffin. is when he takes the blade and stabs himself you don't even know if that's a good thing yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean right. you don't you're, you're, you think to yourself am i supposed to want him to stab himself or not like you just right. don't know and that's a big problem yeah, there, that there is a big they problem. Make no differentiation between her stabbing him and him stabbing him. It's like, well, you just did the thing you've been trying to prevent her from doing this whole time. Why? Why does that? Why is there a difference between her doing it and you doing it? So my my interpretation, such as it is, of, of this thing, you know, I I think I put slightly more thought into it than the movie seems to have dis- demonstrated. Is that uh, my interpretation is that the um, she wants to stab him with this blade so that he can become. Uh, set right so that set can be right. in his body and he does that so he can have the power of life and death but he's somehow able to overcome set you know in his body with his tom cruise because he's tom cruise no other yes. explanation other than i don't think cruise. i didn't get that i didn't get okay. the fact that he's overcoming it or well because or he's he's like you know she, he's talking with her and he's kind of like fighting within himself to overcome set talking out of his mouth do you remember that? Right. But yeah. she – like she never – she was the mummy before, right? She's the mummy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she never – she was never controlled by Set. She was herself the whole time. Yeah. Well, there's two mummies I think is the point. There's her two, and there's Set. Two mummies yeah. in town. Two mummies. Now. Yeah. Two mummies. Two mummies. Well, I, mummy hey, here's where I agree with you guys. It's it's unclear and it's <laughs> sloppy. It is sloppy. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of the movie that is sloppy and I'm not he, sitting here trying to – tell people that this is the best movie I've seen all summer or whatever, or that I'm going to return to this again and again. I just had a good time with it. And, uh, but I, I do agree, you know, like his, his little sidekick dude, his little Sully, uh, makes no sense that he is able to just communicate to him all of the shit that he needs to know at any given time. Like that, that's weird. Like there's a, he's just, he's turned to the dark side, but is also still cool and always willing to tell him like, Hey, I know everything yeah. about what she's trying to get you to do. It, it, none of that makes any sense. He just turns into exposition, man. But despite all that, uh, I just—I uh, guess I just like watching Tom Cruise get beat up, and you know, he's—it's he, effective. And uh, I had enough fun with the set pieces, and I thought that the superheroiness of that world was was charming. I—I I don't know. I can't Let's talk about Prodigium. I mean, did you like that construct, Jeff? This idea that. These people are researching and eliminating evil from the world. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed the construct of the superhero ness. You know, the superhero team, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like this, this is what the Dark Universe is about: is taking these things that are ostensibly evil and using them to fight greater evil. So we're building our team that's going to, you know, consist of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, and uh, and uh, the mummy and you know invisible man and frankenstein it's all going to be leveraged against some greater threat and i think that is the that's the avengers film right that, that they're trying to lead up to and i i kind of think that could be fun uh don't you don't you guys think it's a little weird that they would put 
Dr. Jekyll in charge of the Prodigium Probably not the uh, the best strategy there. Considering Who's he they? has whoever made that organization. I mean, no, it's maybe, him. maybe he created it. Well, yeah, but, it's but, his organization. But uh, yeah, okay, fine. But um, you know, maybe this is time to step aside and let another CEO in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> given wow. that, Tell me a given CEO that he had, that has given he, to fits of rage that would ever step aside. He is literally the embodiment of evil when he becomes, you know, Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Uh, they, they may have a better solution to uh, stopping the whole Hyde thing. Like, they have, like, a secret lair with all this technology in it, and uh, he can't just wear, like, a wristband. Yeah. That, like, <laughs> yeah. He, needs to, like, self, he needs to self-administer the medication. Really? Uh, which, which, by the way, it seems like he's very bad at because it, it, it keeps flaring up, so he's not controlling it in a good way. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that whole role was just ridiculous. I mean, it, the look of Mr. Hyde, I, I thought it... Was not impressed. It, it was like Russell Crowe with more more veiny Russell Crowe. That's all. I was it's just Twitter avatar now. Yeah. I was disappointed by that as well. And and I thought, well, it's kind of interesting that they're having the actor do it instead of it being the CGI creature. Like he's literally putting on a different posture and a different accent. It, like it's kind of old school in the sense of letting him act the the difference rather than them construct it in post and i kind of give him a little credit for that actually all right all right i, I mean i think it's still pretty heavily cg it's not practical what, you know what do you mean no it's just a discoloration of his skin it's not yeah everything it looks he, like mostly makeup I, I, I see what you're saying you're saying the performance is still like very much there it's not a completely cg creation the, the performance is the entire transformation right there's right. just a there's just a layer of discoloration that they've added in post but i, I kind of dug the fact that they're like he's still he's he doesn't I think the tendency in today's Hollywood would be Mr. Hyde has to be this fully CG creation, right? right it has right. to be, uh, you know, whatever, the gods, <laughs> gods of Egypt style transformation. Uh, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I, thought, uh, I thought it was a much more interesting choice to say, no, he, he's still the same dude. Uh, he's just, you know, discolored a little bit. But it's letting Russell Crowe really do, do all the heavy lifting. And I thought that was kind of cool. All right. Devendra, any thoughts on the Dr. Jekyll character? I mean, I, I saw somebody tweet that it was sort of like the uh, the South Park version of Russell Crowe. <laughs> the fight, fight in Russell Crowe. Yeah. And that's honestly what it reminded me of. Yeah, like just, that's right. Yeah, very yeah. Uh, pugnacious and, and belligerent. The cockneyed accent. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, I, very, I love, it's very silly. It's profoundly silly. It's in incredibly opinion. silly. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It comes out of nowhere in this movie, too. I just... I'm still trying to wrap my head around what Jeff is doing. Like, it's more like um, I'm surprised you hated the original one so much that you walked out of it, which is not a great movie, but I think it's legitimately fun. You know, like in, in like and, a nineties. It felt, it felt less way. cynical than this one. It felt less cash grabby. It's so optimistic. Less, less like yeah, it's, it's trying to build a block, but like a series of other films. You know, there's there's a purity to it that's not yeah. in this movie. Well, pure, when I, like, when I saw it 16 years ago, guys, I, the exact thing I was thinking was – no, I, I, I don't – I'm just <laughs> yeah. telling – I never finished watching that film. I remember hating right. it. Uh, so, so it's it, hard it's for me to like, – I, I, Yeah, I don't think you have a full judgment of that and I can understand like just not like a movie enough to just walk away. I – you know, I try to think about like how people might enjoy certain movies and this movie is just so – it is completely joyless to me. Like that's the thing. Like it's – it is going through the paces. It has like the frame – in the like you know shell of what would be a good adventure movie starring Tom Cruise, but there's nothing in there. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Just kind of surprised. 
All right. Well, um, are <laughs> here, here's a question. Are you looking forward to the next Dark Universe movie? I kind of yeah. am. I kind of am. I, I know it doesn't make any sense. And, I, and you guys have made solid points on the flaws in this movie. And it has big flaws. It is not great. Uh, I, I think there are just some times maybe when you see a movie and you're in the right mood or whatever it is that you're you're willing to sort of just go along for the ride. And sometimes I'm not and sometimes I am. And uh, I know I've, a lot of people talk about enjoying Transformers movies for that reason. And I just I just don't think this movie – and I know you guys will disagree with this. I don't think this movie ever insulted my intelligence. Mm. It, ju- it, it, just, <laughs> um, it just did some things clunky rather than uh, elegantly. And, and I – forgave it for that because I was still having a good enough time, you know, watching characters that I actually kind of did. And I mean, Tom Cruise goes a long way for me in just making things palatable. He, he is, I like watching the dude work. I think he's really good at what he does. And, um, I don't know. There's just (laughs) no there, there with that character. There's no, there's nothing there other than Tom Cruise's natural charisma. I mean, and pretty much all the characters too, right? His uh, his love interest played by uh, Jenny Halsey. Um, I've seen her in other things, but in this movie, she is. I don't know what she's doing in this movie other than to be the one to yell at Tom Cruise and potentially make fun of his sexual stamina. And what's up with that? How that? Yeah, that was joke. Weird. That feels like a 90s era joke that they tried to stuff in here. Well, and it was fine the first time, but bringing it up again in the movie was like, whoa, that's weird. It's weird when he brought it back up to kind her. Kind of weird. Yeah. We should also mention that uh, Tom Cruise is 22 years older than Annabelle Wallace, uh, which is why I feel like this movie would have been much more interesting if Jake Johnson and Tom Cruise had switched roles. I just sure. think that that's what this movie should have been, and Tom Cruise should be – Right now, handing off the action movie star reigns to the the next generation, rather than trying to continue, you know, living the life of the action star. I I, I don't know. It it doesn't. It just felt like a mismatch. I'm I'm, I'm trying to figure right. out what it was, other than just being like very luxurious. Because I think John, Tom Cruise still looks great. It, I think it's just the idea that it you know it'd be like watching um, Raiders of the Lost Ark if. Uh, Harrison Ford was 54 years old. You know, it just or you mean right. watching another Indiana Jones movie that they're making? <laughs> A.K.A. watching, yeah, uh, uh, Kingdom they're, of the making Skull, it. right? Yeah, well, they're I, making another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I just mean, I, I, it doesn't have, feel it doesn't feel right. It doesn't. It feels like that just does mm-hmm. not feel like what that character would be doing at that point in their life. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It feels like he, the, his character is the rascal, the young rascal, right? Who's like. You know, breaking women's hearts and stealing things, and not the guy who's seen it all. Yeah, and exactly. He's supposed to be he's like the, to be the guy, guy who's seen it all, especially because Tom Cruise has seen it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I am curious. I'm more curious about how Tom Cruise is going to transition to the next phase of his career mm-hmm. if he does, which he he might never. And there's some people who make that work, right? Um, I would say what? Well, actually, no, no, no. I was going to say Sylvester Stallone, but even him with like Creed, you know, mm-hmm. that he's that's him handing it off to the next generation and right? copland honestly like he tried to transition to different types of movies i think of like where liam neeson went right like with taken and post taken and everything like there you can make action movies with older actors uh but it's just different but, but, but yeah right? you, you're not describing liam neeson as though he is a young whippersnapper exactly you know? yeah uh and he the character is not a young whippersnapper um the fact that he's a dad is a part of of the story Mm-hmm. Uh, he's usually a dad in those movies, right? <laughs> I'm thinking Walking Amongst Walking Amongst the Tombstones, Run All Night, Taken. Yeah, he's a dad in all those movies. I think, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> dad like, yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, I, I am curious whether 
Tom Cruise is going to like continue holding on to this archetype for the rest of his career or if he's going to make the transition. Um, uh, Mark Harris, uh, the journalist uh, and uh, documentarian, tweeted this out recently. I really appreciate it. He said, Tom Cruise is 54, the exact age Paul Newman was when he made his last garbage movie and then decided to be an actor, not a movie star. <laughs> it was appropriately called When Time Ran Out. Um, from what I'm reading of The Mummy, Cruise would be wise to make it his When Time Ran Out. So, Except he's got to make like six more Mummy movies. Also, I, I do have to say I'm looking forward to Mission Impossible 6. I mean, <laughs> of course. There, know, there are ways to make that work. And I think they did try to like position Jeremy Renner as like the young guy at one that, point. That did not he's take. He's clearly not that. That did not take, yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm still down for those movies. mainly because no spring chicken. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, too. All right, guys. Uh, well, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be reviewing next week. In the meantime, uh, Jeff Kanata, where can find more of your work on the internet this week? You can always follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I have several other shows. This is going to be a big week, guys. This is E3 week. If you're into video games at all, get excited. I'm doing extra episodes of my long-form video game show called DLC. You can find those at 5x5.tv slash DLC. We just did a big E3 predictions and preview episode, which you should check out. It was really, really fun. And my other daily show on Anchor, you can download the Anchor app on your phone and get updates. I'm going to be at E3 all week long doing uh, daily updates on the Anchor app. Uh, if you go to anchor.fm slash NLB, my show on Anchor is called Newest, Latest, Best. You can search for that on the app. And literally every single thing I see at E3, which is a lot, I have a very packed schedule. Everything I see, I'm going to be recording a little uh, bit of commentary on it as a hot take as I, as I leave the meeting. <laughs> and it'll be all on Newest, Latest, Best. So why not check that out, download the Anchor app, search for Newest, Latest, Best, and follow me as I go through E3. your Hardware. How about you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra. I write about techandgadget.com, and I'll also be at E3 next week. So uh, maybe we'll get some cross-brand action, Jeff. Yeah. Just so you guys know, like when people are listening to this, you are at E3 right now. As, That's fine. As they're listening to this. Um, Time so. travels hard, E3 Dave. right now. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious like what Microsoft's uh, press uh, conference was like a couple days ago as of the release of this podcast. <laughs> it was shocking. <laughs> I think it was, ama- it was amazing probably, right? It was amazing. Slash Never expecting. Hopefully, slash we got to see Scorpio, and it blew every it blew the doors off the whole place. Uh, yeah, when I, they announced Scorpio at four ninety nine, that was all. All right, and uh, I you find myself at DaveChen.net. Next week, we're going to be reviewing. It comes at night. That movie is actually out already. But uh, we didn't really want to see any of the movies that were out or review any of the movies that were out uh, you know, uh, next week. So instead, of, we're going to be reviewing It Comes at Night, which is the new uh, A24 release. A24, they're a movie that whenever they release something, uh, I'm going to watch it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to want to check it out. A24, they, they have really good taste. Pretty low-budget movies, but they're usually pretty inventive. And uh, I'm looking forward to reviewing It Comes at Night with you guys on the next episode of the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. We watch the movies. <laughs>